Time to barrel down as we uncork the Indiana beverage industry one bottle at a time. morning, Pops World listeners. I'm so excited to be joined by my good friend, Blake from Daniel's Vineyard in McCordsville. Blake, hi. Hey, Katie. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, it is always a pleasure to have you. And um, thanks for hosting me at the winery to pick up these wines that we're going to taste today. I always love coming out and seeing, um, we'll talk about the winery in a minute, but seeing all the vineyard and then you drive up and just seeing um, all of your outdoor space always just makes me smile and makes me all warm and fuzzy. Absolutely. That's what, uh, that's kind of what we're known for. We're a a great patio destination in uh, the Indianapolis area. That's for sure. So let me not get ahead of myself, um, but if you could just introduce yourself introduce yourself to our listeners and kind of give us an overview of what and who and where Daniel's Vineyard is. Yeah. So my name is Blake Troba. I'm the winemaker here at Daniel's Vineyard. I have uh, been here since 2019 and uh, we have a a wonderful property. We have uh, 22 and a half acres, uh, a state vineyard uh, right here on site that uh, the building looks out onto. So uh, you kind of drive back off the road, you know, we're just Northeast of the city uh, in McCordsville and we're basically, you know, McCordsville, Fishers, Geist, kind of in that uh, little triangle of, uh, of places just northeast of the city. So definitely a destination spot to get away from the city and, you know, feel like you're a little more secluded. But it's also like a great spot for people that live uh, in the neighborhoods around here, people that live in Geist and Fishers. It's kind of a nice little uh, neighborhood spot as well. So uh, we're, we do a lot of different things, and I think that's kind of part of the charm of, of what we are, is that we're a lot of different things to a lot of different people. We're a, a wedding venue, a winery, a concert venue, a vineyard, um, you know, a photography venue, venue uh, <laughs> you know, so a little bit of everything, corporate events, and then also just like a good place to come and meet your friends. So uh, yeah, we, uh, we do a lot, and we are a lot of things to everybody, so and one uh, thing. Yeah that I think is really special about Daniel's is that it started out and it still is a huge family affair, correct? That the Daniel's family is still very involved. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, we are owned by, um, Daniel, the Daniel cook and uh, Kim cook, the, uh, are the owners here at Daniel's vineyard. And, uh, they're just wine lovers owned the property already. They have five kids and use the property kind of just as a, recreation space until they took a trip to Italy, enjoyed their time uh, staying at a place where they looked out over a vineyard and said, hey, we want this uh, back home. Uh, so they came back home and uh, they talked to Bruce at Purdue whenever he was still there and said, we have this property, we want to plant a vineyard. Uh, what do you think we should do? And Bruce said, okay, well, you should try a variety of uh, a different, uh, couple different varieties and you should probably start with like you know two to five acres. Well, the Cook family, they, they like to do things big and they planted 22 acres and it's the same vines that we have today. So we've only had to replace uh, one, one section that we had some Cabernet Franc planted in. But uh, other than that, you know, the, the vineyard still thriving, it was planted back in 2010. Uh, and then the, they constructed the building and the winery was opened in 2016. So uh, yeah, it's definitely been a family effort. Uh, all the family is around or, or works here in, in some sort of capacity. And um, yeah, we're super lucky to, to have a, a local family that, uh, that really cares and wants to, to make great wine uh, in their backyard in Indiana. 
And I am like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but from the millennial ish generation, right? So a lot of the daughters are younger. You're a younger winemaker in the industry. Obviously I myself am still young in the industry too. And so one thing that I think I've always loved and prided Daniel's Vineyard on is, I mean, you talked about it, but the innovation and the new ideas, and you guys have never been afraid to push the envelope um, in anything, really. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, we're, we're not shy about uh, being innovative and trying new things. And, you know, we want to, to give people what they want to drink. And we want to make the best of what we have here in Indiana with some of the varieties we can grow. And then even with our facilities, we want to make full use of them and really be able to be really super Uh, moldable into uh, whatever our consumers are looking for. So, um, you know, we're trying to meet the market where they're at and uh, you come up with some fun new products along the way and, uh, you know, jump on some trends, but also do like some more classic kind of wine styles as well. And, uh, you know, we do some events that we do every year, some events we try out new. We, um, you know, we just try to, we try to try, we try to try new things all the time. Well, and it being the end of November, I don't know if this is on your horizon, but, um, you know, last couple of years, I've heard all the chatter about your canned wine selection and maybe it's the largest in Indiana. I can't say that for sure, but you have quite the variety of canned wines and, um, the holidays you've released the potty pack, which I think is really fun. Um, dog mom, myself, you know, my dog mom heart loves that. And it's, we got to get your dog on a can. Okay. I've got two. I'll send them to you <laughs> next year. Next year. We're already locked in for this year, but okay. uh, next year, get, get them in early. So that's something that we can look forward to. Um, in... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We started uh, whenever I came on board in 2019, we had one canned product. It was the finished wine. It's a semi-sweet Concord based rosé. And uh, we did just introduced it uh, as a way to support the 500 festival. So the proceeds go to to them and all of their kind of educational uh, endeavors that they take on. And then we kind of just saw the need for it grow and more and more people were coming more and more accepting of it. And, you know, in this world that we live in to where, you know, people are on the go all the time. And sometimes a bottle, a glass bottle that requires a corkscrew can be a little, uh, it can be a hurdle that you have to go over if you're going to a pool or the lake, on a boat, whatever, you know, we're right here by Geist. So we have a lot of people that are out on their boats. Um, so we just, you know, kind of saw the need for it. Also kind of around that time, you know, the white claw, truly all of those things kind of like started popping off. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where our, our fruited wines came from. So we have a, a line of uh, fruited cans that are, um, you know, it's a dry wine base and then has fruit juice added to it. So we have pineapple, pear, tangerine and watermelon. Uh, in those. And those have really kind of found a place in the market to where people are really enjoying it. And we've got a lot of distribution at a lot of like Kroger and Target locations in central Indiana. So, um, you know, things like that, there's, it's, we're kind of getting in on this emerging market and uh, really trying to make something unique. That's also really refreshing and and really easy drinking. Um, In my mind, people always take wine way too seriously. So I think cans kind of knock that back a little bit and you can just crack it open and not think twice about it. Whereas if you have this kind of fancy bottle of champagne or something laying around, you're waiting years until you have this special moment to do it. But it's like, no, wine's meant to be consumed. So uh, if we can put in a package that makes it easier to consume on a whim versus like trying to plan it out, you know, you can crack open one of those cans and consume it by yourself or split it between two people and you're having a good time. So 
we just, again, we're trying to bring products to the people and really trying to see what they want. And uh, if they keep buying them, we're going to keep making them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I personally love canned wines and I think you hit all the talking points to sell a canned wine. Um, you know, I, I'm a big water bug. And so in the summer, it's just so easy to throw, you know, a canned or a wine in a can in my cooler and go, and I don't have to worry about anything else. And it's more fun to pull out a can of rosé than a can of Diet Coke on the water. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, a big highlight there. But one thing I really want to touch on, um, because I love it so much is when you walk in your tasting room, not only are you greeted by this huge open bar, that's gorgeous, but you have this amazing pizza oven that sits just to the right. And that yeah. has to be super popular in the fall, in the spring, in the summer. Um, how, where did that inspiration come from? Because it all fits so well in the winery. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're a winery first, but you know, a lot of people come here and we'll hang out for multiple hours and, you know, they want to offer more than just kind of your standard cheese and charcuterie uh, type of options. So, you know, the, the pizza oven was built in whenever they built the building. So it was kind of there from the, from the beginning and it's kind of taken a couple different iterations as to like how we handle that. But uh, now we have uh, Pi, uh, the, the pizza place um, around here and they are kind of taken over. So it's, pie branded pizza. So it's, it's great, great dough, great ingredients. And it's just under the, the Daniel's umbrella um, here. So uh, you can come out and get more than just uh, kind of snack food. You can actually do a whole meal. And, you know, I think pizza is the ultimate wine kind of oh, pairing yeah. food, you know, you can't really go wrong. People are always asking me, you know, what, what wine should I pair with pizza? And it's really, there's no <laughs> right answer. There's no wrong answer either, because whatever kind of wine you like, pizza definitely falls into the category of pairing with it. If it's a sweet white or, a, uh, you know, a dry red, both of those are going to pair really well with pizza. So uh, pizza is just, you know, it's, it's, I, I always say that wine is like the ultimate beverage. Pizza is like the ultimate food to me, <laughs> like, oh, you know, yeah. because there's so many, there's so many levels of it. You can go from base kind of chain pizza all the way up to like really craft artisanal stuff. So we, we fall definitely on the, the more craft side. All of our ingredients are really, uh, you know, thoughtfully sourced and um, they do a really good job. So uh, yeah, it's, it's just the perfect accompaniment to a bottle of wine or a flight or a, a wine slushy even. Oh yeah. So I lived in Italy. Um, I studied abroad when I was an undergrad at Purdue. And so, I mean, at least once a meal every day, we had a little bit of wine and some type of pizza. And so I'm always biased to Italy, but I'm so biased to pizza and wine. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. So it's the perfect pairing. Oh, absolutely. And I have to thank you so much for inviting me to the winery to hang out for just a few minutes. And then you sent me home with three um, really fun wines that this is going to be a first because I've never tasted and talked through on the air or podcast, whatever we're on there. So um, you sent me three, like I said, super fun wines. So let's um, talk about the first one, but sure. let's back yep. up. And you sent me this thing called a pet knot. And so right. what the heck is this? Um, <laughs> it's not very common in Indiana. So kind of yeah. give us, um, give our listeners an overview of, of what you're doing. Sure. Yeah. So uh, pet nat is just, uh, it's kind of short for a, a French term, uh, petulant natural. I don't have a great French accent, so maybe <laughs> you, could do a you could do a better justice, but uh, petulant natural, uh, which basically just means, uh, you know, naturally fizzy. 
uh, in French. So this was kind of the original way to make sparkling wine. It probably happened on accident. Someone bottled something that they thought was dry, but then, uh, you know, springtime came around and the cellar warmed up a little bit and they started getting some corks starting to kind of pop up and notice that the wine was effervescent. And, uh, and then that kind of what it's what started the whole kind of sparkling wine thing. So, um, you know, it, I don't, can't place an exact date on it. Uh, it's, you know, just one of the earliest ways of making sparkling wine. And like I said, originally was done probably by mistake. Uh, and, uh, you know, so the kind of difference between that and your more traditional like champagne style sparkling wine would just be that this only undergoes one fermentation. So you start the fermentation, you pull in the grapes, you start the fermentation. Whenever it's nearly complete, but there's still a little bit of sh residual sugar in there, you bottle it then. And then the, you still have active yeast in there. It's an unfiltered, unfined wine. So there's nothing uh, that's pulling that yeast out whenever you're bottling it. So you bottle it and then that yeast that's still in there is going to continue to consume that little bit of sugar that's remaining. And then, you know, as we all know, one of the byproducts of fermentation is CO2 production. So that CO2 is just going to get trapped in the bottle. It takes a little bit of time, but it does kind of incorporate over time. And then uh, you're left with a nice, uh, nice sparkling wine. I always say they're more fizzy. They're not truly like champagne because they haven't gone through like the aging process that right. champagne or the riddling process that champagne has gone through. Uh, but they're meant to be consumed really young and fresh. And um, yeah, they're just a lot of fun and, and really delicious. Now, the, the, the first one that we have here is our Citrine Sovereign. Um, all of we have, we made four pet nuts last year and they're all four kind of have royal-ish names. Um, the first one we ever did was a white wine that was called Rain. Um, and then it, it kind of just uh, went on from there. And then we also have a, a, another a purple one. So we have a, a white one, an orange one, which we're getting ready to taste, the Citrine. And then we also have a rosé, which we're going to taste. And then we have a, a fourth one, which is our um, uh, purple rain. And it kind of has a Prince inspired uh, label on it as well, which is a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, so we, we do a crown cap on these. And that's just another kind of way we could do the, you know, um, kind of standard champagne cork enclosure. But I think a crown cap just makes it more accessible, more easy, more fun. It's just like a beer. Anybody can crack it open. Uh, and they do have a lot of carbonation in there. So I'll, I'll try to kind of get my ear in here so you can kind of, I don't know if you got that at all. Yeah, but, I sure did. Uh, not, nice little, nice little, whenever you open it, uh, nice and fizzy. And uh, so this one uh, is two grapes from our vineyard, Vidal Blanc and Catawba. Uh, they got picked around the same time. The Vidal Blanc spent a little bit of time on the skins. Uh, so that's kind of why you get that nice orange, orange hue to it. It's kind of an orangey color. Uh, I should say that the labels are, for all of these are designed by uh, Jenna Cook, who's the oldest daughter in the family, and uh, she uh, she's a wonderful local artist, and we are very lucky to be able to use her artwork uh, on this stuff. But uh, yeah, so the, the elephant design on this one uh, is, is really, really nice. And I'll post a picture of all three of these labels for our listeners so they can uh, check out what we're doing. So I guess for yeah. our listeners, um, just as a reminder, so... Um, champagne comes from France. And so you can't, you're not supposed to call a sparkling wine champagne unless it's from France. Same like Prosecco is from Italy. Um, Cava is from Spain. And so I think Blake really hit it on the head when he said this is fizzy versus um, like a, a champagne style because it is fizzy. And that's why I think it's fun. Um, right, right. It's just different. And it's a really great conversation starter if you've never had this before to have this 
fizz um, versus, you know, like the spraying of a champagne bottle, if you will. Right, right. It's, it's more kind of, uh, you know, in the sparkling water, like soda kind of yeah. fizziness level to where it kind of feels like it was just like a little creamy in your mouth. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this one in particular, I think it, it has some kind of uh, uh, like um, orange kind of creamsicle kind of notes a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's dry, but it's still really fruit forward. And that's what I really love about the, both pet nuts that, that we're going to talk about today is they're bottled so young and so fresh that you're really kind of trapping the freshness in the bottle. And that fermentation kind of just finishes up in the bottle, releases even more of those beautiful terpenes and esters that you really like out of sparkling wine and white wine. And it traps it into the wine, whereas normally it'd be sitting in a tank and those things would kind of just, uh, you know, the gas and everything would just kind of go out of the top of the tank. But this, it, it really traps it into the bottle and you really get that freshness. And, you know, it, it will stay sparkling for a long time too, because it's a, basically a living product. These, both of these products are completely naturally made. There was zero additions. So, you know, I didn't have to add anything to it because of the, the way that it's bottled so young. I didn't have to add even any SO2. It was a, a native yeast uh, ferment as well. So um, I always appreciate whenever I can just showcase the fruit itself and don't really have to mess with the wine too much. And I think that this is really a, a great way to showcase two of these varieties that, you know, we're still trying to figure out how to work with them and how to make wine the best way we can out of them. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have had a lot of good luck making a lot of sweet wine out of those two varieties. Um, but I think this is just kind of a different way to showcase them. And uh, um, yeah, yeah, you, you really get kind of a beautiful bouquet of orange and you know, white flowers. Um, but then it also has this little kind of almost candied uh, kind of taste on the back end, uh, which I think it's also a good bridge for you know, bridging dry wine drinkers with sweet wine drinkers. I think this would kind of be a good wine that people could meet in the middle on uh, because it is, it has so many fresh fruit flavors uh, without being like, you know, actually sweet. And I feel like every time I sample this, I get something different. And so I think the candied flavor is really well, because sometimes I get a little strawberry and sometimes I get a little like a grapefruity, citrusy, orange. And then the next time I get a little bit of green. And I think those are really the great characteristics coming out and showing us that, you know, these, these wines are very diverse. Um, they're very flexible, if you will. For sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. These are, and you know, sparkling wine in general is a great food pairing wine. You can oh, yeah. pair it with almost anything. I think this, you know, there's, this is no exception to that. I think you could pair with this with a variety of especially lighter, lighter dishes, appetite, like this for an appetizer wine would be absolutely fantastic. Um, but you're, you're right in that it does evolve uh, kind of as it sits in your glass, as some of the, SO, the CO2 and uh, the fizz kind of leaves your glass, you're kind of left with being able to taste the wine itself a little bit more. So uh, it does definitely evolve over time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and that, that's the fun part too. I always like, you know, whenever the, my first glass and my last glass, you know, kind of tastes a, a little bit different, you kind of see how it transitions over the course of 30 or 40 or you know, an hour, however long it takes you to drink the bottle. It's, it's cool to see the, the difference from start to start to finish. Well, and I enjoy not finishing my wine and just leaving, you know, an ounce or an ounce and a half in the bottom of the bottle because wines change, but then they're also fun to compare similar varieties as you go through and you're sampling more, um, just to see how the grapes show. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely. That's something at my house that I 
love to do is leave a, a glass or a half a glass in a bottle and then whenever I open the next wine the next day or in a couple of days like kind of tasting them side by side and uh, that's uh, a unique way to to really get to learn about grapes uh, and, and figure out kind of be able to see how the progression can happen so that that helps with my winemaking as well. And I was just going to say, that's kind of how you do blind tastings too. When we, um, when we talk about, you know, tasting wines at different stages, um, when we talk about, you know, getting seller palette or, you know, our education in the tasting room, you know, and, and a lot of those are blind tastings because you, you don't want that label on it to teach. You want to teach what's in that bottle. And that's a really great way is, you know, so this is what it tastes like when it's first open day three. And then, you know, here's day seven you know, probably maybe should have been drank at that point. And so it's just, but there's still a lot of information to get from that. Oh, Even if yeah. you, you're like, Oh, I, I forgot about this. And I let it sit on my counter for a week and a half. Yeah. Chances are there's nothing like actually like wrong with the wine. It's just not going to taste its best, but you can still glean a lot of information from that. And, you know, some of the kind of fruit flavor that you really loved about the wine may be gone at that point, but that's when you can kind of get into those secondary like tertiary flavors that are, can sometimes be like, you know, forest floor, like that kind of, you know, leafy kind of, uh, kind of flavor profile that you may hear people talk about, but you don't really understand it until you've actually tasted it. So it's kind of, uh, it's, I would say I recommend to anybody to, you know, hold on to wine and, and taste it over a course of time. And, uh, you know, if you have a half bottle, don't just throw it out, <laughs> at least drink, right. at least try it first. <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially, you know, we don't have a lot of dry red wines, you know, we're not a California profile, but you know, those drier red wines that um, people put in oak for some time, you know, those wines really open up when you get them out of the bottle. Um, and so if, you know, you have a lot of those at home, those are certainly fun to compare and contrast as are others, but um, you get a lot of the oak qualities that come out um, yeah. from time from, from reds. Certainly. Uh, that's super fun. All right. So citrine, right? Isn't sovereign. That? Yeah, yeah. Citrine sovereign. Oh, okay. Yeah. And one thing I noticed on your bottles, you have a sweetness scale. I love sweetness scales. I'm a huge proponent of them. Um, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but I, cause it's all up to, you know, consumer perception and what you actually right. like, but I think they're a great guide, especially in the supermarket. When you look at a bottle and you're like, okay, this is called Katie's blend. You know, it doesn't give me any notion of what it is. So I think sweetness scales are awesome. I absolutely yeah. love yeah, we've tried to incorporate that more and more, you know, this, this wine in particular and the next wine too, we've kind of put in that off dry area. And, you know, technically if you were to, you know, uh, look in your, your winemaking books or, you know, go on winefolly.com, anything like that, there's a sweetness scale on there. And this would probably more, uh, more fall into the, to the dry category, but because they're so fruity, and, and really fruit forward and, and really fresh tasting. That's kind of why we put it in that off dry area because while technically there's no residual sugar or very little residual sugar, the flavor that you get is still kind of in that sweet zone without being sugary. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a great medium wine. You said appetizer wine. I love that. I mean, yeah. I love appetizers all day, every day. So I think that's a great addition. and. You know, you guys were talking about being trendy earlier and super trendy right now is rosé. Um, I personally sure. love rosé. I hope it never dies because it is so versatile. I mean, you can get it in a can. It comes from many different varieties. Um, and it 
to me, it's an all season wine. I mean, it's a little chilly out. You could warm up with a more dry rosé. If it's hot out, you could go for a sweeter rosé. There's um, sparkling rosés, which kind of brings us to your next wine, which is Royal Rosé. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, the next wine and another beautiful um, art piece by, by Jenna Cook. And um, yeah, so this one is 100% Chamberson. And uh, so that's another variety that we, we grow right out here in our vineyard. And um, this was uh, brought in and foot stomped. Uh, it was a pretty small lot. So foot stomped uh, and uh, held on the skins for about two days and then, and then pressed off the skins and then bottled with, a, again, just like the first one, just a little bit of residual sugar while it's actively fermenting. And, um, and then, yeah, so, uh, that was bottled and then we just kind of stick it in the cellar, let it, let it hang out for, uh, you know, six months or so, and then pull it out and, um, see where we're at. That's kind of the, the, the beauty and the, the, the concern about doing wines like this, you don't a hundred percent know how they're going to turn out. You have yeah. a, a general idea, but, uh, you're, you're, you can't be certain until it actually happens. So, uh, we've gotten really lucky so far. I, th I think we have some that are, um, you know, uh, we, we kind of cover the, the whole, um, array of, of flavor profiles with our pet nets. So we go from kind of really nice and, and clean to our, like our bigger, bolder red one is, you know, has a little bit of funkiness to it, uh, which I think actually adds to the, the quality uh, of the wine itself. But, uh, this one, um, it's just, I always say it's a very pretty wine. It's a very pretty color. It's kind of a dark you know, a dark rosé color. You could say it's even a light red until you taste it and you really get the, the rosé kind of floral notes. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it has lots of like, kind of has like some fresh picked strawberry. It has like some, uh, you know, just, it smells like a summer flower, you know, field of wildflowers. Like yeah. there's so many kind of different floral things going on in it. And much like the, the first one that we tasted, it is, it is very fruity and very floral without, having a lot of residual sugar this one maybe has just a touch more than the the citrine that we just tried but you know very very similar uh this one also has a little more structure to it so yeah. uh, it kind of combats that a little bit i love this because i'm a big red fruit lover i mean i love my strawberries and my raspberries and i i mean right. this is definitely a wine for my red fruit lovers i get so <laughs> i mean you said strawberry i get a lot of raspberry for um, sure on this and it, it just reminds me of a, a nice summer day. Cause I get a lot of that luscious fruit too. Um, not the, you know, not before it's ripe and not overdone, just a lot of that just juicy fruit that you yeah, want to yeah. eat right out of the strawberry patch. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. It's, it's, it definitely is summer fresh, like fresh summer produce in a, in a bottle. And that's, uh, that's what I really love about it is just, and this would go so well with like a, you know, a fresh summer salad, you know, something oh that, you know, you want to complement. you know, if you have that kind of spinach salad, it's got some feta, it's got some fruit in there, maybe like some, some strawberry slices or something like that. Like this with that, that's like a, you know, a fantastic lunch or brunch or, you know, whatever you're into. But um, yeah, I think anytime that you're getting like this kind of fresh produce flavor out of something, then it only makes sense to try to pair it with the actual fresh produce yeah. and really kind of, uh, you know, take that even bigger. And, um, you know, this is a wine that we've had, uh, both of these wines really, but we've had a lot of luck at getting into, um, like a lot of, uh, smaller, like markets, you know, like goose, the market had it, you know, that, 
um, uh, Turketti's, uh, you know, butcher shop, but they also sell, you know, kind of some fresh produce. Um, uh, King Doe had this wine for a while. So they're a pizza shop here in Indy and um, they're, they're really just great food friendly, easy drinking wines that, um, you know, they're, they're handcrafted as well. So, I mean, you know, we, we have, we owe a lot to the brew, uh, brewing, uh, industry, um, for really kind of making that, uh, an important thing whenever people are deciding when to drink and getting something local or if not local, then at least, you know, made, you know, by hand. Um, so these definitely fall into that category. They're a labor of love and, uh, um, I hope that uh, people can taste that. Well, and I mean, something that I've always capitalized Indiana wine is that Indiana is Hoosier hospitality. And I think a lot, if not all of our Indiana wines, you can absolutely taste that in the bottle because we work with a lot of hybrids. I mean, it's known that we can't grow Merlot and Cab very well, if at all, really in Indiana, because our, our climate is just not suited for those grapes. And so hybrids are derived from parent grapes like you know, cabs and Merlots, um, Chamberson, you know, I think is a great example. And um, we talk, I, I mean, I'm a big Vidal Blanc fan, which is a white wine and, you know, as parent, um, being Sauvignon Blanc, it's to me, that's that Hoosier hospitality in the bottle. It's a little bit different. We improvise, we were flexible, we made it work and it is a labor of love. I mean, um, that's how, for sure. so for our listeners who might not know, so let's think about, um, like a, a traminette. So from the day that you picked those grapes to when it's available, how long is that ish? Uh, you'd be hard pressed to do it any, any shorter than maybe five months or so, you know, by the time it, it finishes fermentation and then settles. And then, you know, if you're going to filter or, or whatever, um, yeah, I mean, I would say five to six months and that's for a white wine, you know, and that, those are the quickest that you can turn around anything, uh, you know, red wine is going to be even longer than that. So, um, it does, it, it takes, you know, it, you only make wine one time a year and that's because you only have time to make wine one time a year. Right. And then, you know, if red wines go into the barrel, then it's, you know, a lot longer. Some of those wines can sit for a long time. So oh, certainly, yeah, we, we put out, a, a you know, our 2018 uh, red wines that were in barrel are kind of just now out. So, you know, we're looking two to three years on, on some of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. This rosé is so good. I love it, Thank especially so for kind of the fall too. It's a, a great bridge in between maybe white wine season and, and red wine season. Yeah. I think because it's that a little darker uh, rosé, both in color and in like texture and flavor, it does like have a little more weight to it and, you know, can kind of carry you more into the, into the fall and even the winter months. Um, so, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of these. We make uh, a lot of different wines here. Daniel's everything from very sweet to, to bone dry red wines, like we're talking about that have been aging for three years, but um, you know, we also make unique things like this and our canned wines as well. And um, uh, I'm very lucky to work for a place that allows me to kind of experiment. I always have like my little experimental batches every year. And yeah. uh, we've gotten lucky enough that, you know, a couple of them have turned into some, some great products for us. So um, I, hopefully I can continue to do that and, and bring out new things. And uh, it, even, you know, trying these really old techniques like Petnad, and we're going to talk about Paquette here in a minute. 
But, you know, even those things that have, you know, were popular at one time, a couple hundred years ago and haven't been around, uh, but then bringing them back and, and having people really uh, enjoy them. And uh, it's also a great educational moment as well. Um, you know, in the tasting room, most people don't know what PetNat is. So, you know, it's always great to get to, to sell somebody on it and, and tell them about the, you know, it's an ancient technique and, you know, it happened by accident. It's, you know, it's kind of a cool story. So it's one of those things that people can walk away from the tasting room and now they have a new piece of information. And then the next time they run into a, a sparkling wine or a pet nat or something like that, they're going to know what it is and they're going to be able to share that information with their friends. And, uh, you know, that's what it's all about is just being able to share the, share the, the knowledge, but also the joy uh, of wine. Well, I think great experiences in the tasting room, you then buy a bottle or you buy a canned wine and then you take that experience home with you. And I mean, okay, I'm a, I'm a marketer. So that's word of mouth marketing, but that's also a story that somebody learned behind the wine that, you know, is, is now shareable. Um, and people are sharing that, that great experience in the cool wine, um, And I mean, one thing I would share is this can, because how fun is this (laughs) rosé? Like I said, I'll post a picture of everything that we're sipping through, because I think um, these, your packaging and your marketing is so cool. We're just talking about experiences. I mean, that, that is a story to tell that, you know, these are done local um, by somebody in the family, very much involved in in the winery too. So tell me about this flower child rosé. Yeah, so Flower Child Rosé, um, you know, you'll send out the pictures, but it's yeah. a very kind of 70s, uh, free love, hippie kind of, uh, kind of label. Um, and this is actually, um, uh, you know, it's rosé, it's rosé in color, it's a little you know, dark rosé, yep. um, but it's actually a paquette. So paquette is another one of these kind of ancient things that uh, um, was around a lot of, a lot a uh, long time ago, a couple hundred years ago, and it's kind of faded away. And then now some people are kind of bringing it back. And um, this is really a, a sustainability kind of project in that uh, we're taking uh, all the leftovers, all the things that we make from our, our traditional wines, uh, skins, seeds, uh, those things have a little bit of juice left in them. And so we don't just want to throw that onto the compost pile. That's what we've always done in the past. And uh, you know, I kind of read about Piquette and figured out, uh, oh, we could use those for something. So we take all of those skins, we rehydrate them with about 50% water, and then we repress that. So instead of making a, you know, 13 or 14% red wine out of those, out, out of those grapes, uh, we make that, but then out of the same grapes, we can then make this, which is like a, a 8% really easy drinking um, rosé that we decided to can and, uh, you know, it's, it's dry, but still fruit forward. Um, it does have a little, a little funkiness to it, which I think kind of adds to it, adds it, it makes it, uh, even more interesting to drink. Cause it's not just a simple rosé. There's kind of some layers of complexity there. And then whenever you add in the story that it's, you know, completely sustainable, it's basically wine that we're making from our leftovers and then uh you know we're putting it in a can which is you know infinitely recyclable and um yeah so uh this is a really another kind of really fun passion project that uh i really love and um there's been a lot of like kind of retailers that uh that really love it as well both because of the label and because the story and then and the wine itself is just really easy drinking and 
and refreshing, which you, you want, you know, kind of in the summer and fall, uh, especially during the day. Like you get done mowing the grass, you crack open a can of this, you are <laughs> in the right spot. So. I was just getting ready to say this is one of my favorite tailgate wines because I feel like oh, I can drink it any time of the day, no matter what time we're tailgating. Um, and it, it just works. I mean, it can be early morning. I, I don't mow the grass, full disclosure. I got fired from that. So um, I could see how somebody would crack that open. And then it's a fun, like pre-dinner wine, almost. Um, I would put it not in the same category as a spritz, but it kind of reminds me of that. Um, I don't know. What am I trying to say? That flavor of a spritz that kind of just super fresh, but yet it's got a little hardiness to it. Um, it's yeah. a gorgeous color. I love it. Mm. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, and we, we had a lot of fun with the kind of marketing of this too. Um, you know, on the back, we do have our sweetness scale. This time we have it in in little flowers and, yep. you know, we just have it at kind of on the one flower scale. And then we always, on our cans, we do the, the pairs with. And, uh, you know, full disclosure, this wine was released uh, at a, a party that we had on April 20th of last year. Um, so, you know, a uh, little 420 theme. So yep. some of the... Uh, snacks that we kind of recommend you know pairing pizza is an obvious we already talked about that but then you know the those hot flaming snacks as well would be a great uh, pairing and then you know of course uh, you know you can't you can't go uh, kind of classic stoner food without you know, without some some brownies so oh, yeah uh, so you know so we had some fun with the uh, kind of marketing around that and yeah. you know I think this is a a, a great wine that it's a great, just cooler wine. Just like you said, like you can drink it anytime. It's great for brunch or whatever, but this is just a great cooler wine. You stick it in your cooler, wherever you go, you're going to be able to pull it out and, and have a good time. And it's also another wine that I think kind of bridges a lot of people. It is, it's a dry rosé, but it's also full of fruit flavor as well. And, um, you know, I think that there's, I know from the tasting room that we have some people that typically drink sweet wine that will kind of gravitate to this because it, it is different. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's still, a, it's a wine product almost more than it is just straight up wine because of the addition of the water and the re-fermentation. So it, it does kind of change the, the flavor a little bit from your standard wine, but it almost, I think makes it more easy drinking and like, you know, you can drink it a little faster than you would kind of your standard 12% uh, ABV wine. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with that. And, you know, I think when people are thinking about the holidays, you know, this is uh, a nice wine that could complement really any, any wine drinker, any wine lover's palate. Um, and so, you know, the holidays are coming up. We're less than, um, you know, 30 days. We're at the end of November now. So what, um, what's your holiday gift guide look from Daniel's Vineyard or um, maybe what are some wines that um, people should take home, uh, just Indiana wines that people should take home this holiday season? Yeah, you know, I mean, the holidays, I would say, you know, definitely either of the sparkling wines that we that we just went over, I think would be great. They're great for, um, you know, the kind of New Year's celebrations or Christmas celebrations are also great food friendly wines. Like, you know, we're a little bit past Thanksgiving at this point, but pairing with Turkey, I think would be phenomenal for those wines as well. Um, we also do uh, these little mini eight ounce, uh, we do our traditional kind of 12 ounce cans, but we also do these little mini eight ounce uh, cans that are super cute and they're great stocking stuffer wines. Uh, so if you have that, you know, college kid or something coming home, you know, that's kind of a good fun little gift to, to do. Um, 
we also have our potty pack. So it's, uh, uh, you know, dog themed uh, 12 pack of wines. You get three different varieties of wine. So four cans of each, each can has a different dog on it. Um, so that's a great gift for, and it's a great thing to take to a, a holiday party because you have the variety. There's something in there that's pretty dry, something in there that's kind of sweet. And then we do our fireside sangria in there, which is kind of fall inspired sangria that has like some kind of cinnamon nutmeg kind of flavor profile in there. And uh, so it's a great mix. Um, you know, that box I think would be great uh, to take to a party or to give as a gift or to use it as like an advent kind of countdown to uh, the holiday, uh, the Christmas or, or holidays. Um, so I think the, I would start there. Um, yeah, for as far as gifts, I think that's that's a good place to go. Um, as far as like picking up those gifts, obviously you can come to, to Daniel's Winery uh, and Vineyard. Um, we are open every day. Um, and then also uh, throughout the month of December, we will be doing a pop-up shop uh, over at the uh, Fashion Mall at Keystone Crossing. Yeah. Uh, so we, we'll, we did that last year. Uh, people really love the convenience of being able to swing in there and pick up some wine while they're doing some other holiday shopping. So we'll be in there throughout the month of December. And um, yeah, that's, that should be a lot of fun. We sell a lot of wine, uh, um, you know, also some kind of fun holiday uh, gift things, some apparel, um, uh, some of Jenna's art will be featured there as well, which is always a, a great gift. Um, and we are right next to Lush and uh, right near the Apple store is where we're going to be there. So um, if you can't make it over to Daniel's and you're going to be doing some shopping already at the fashion mall, then uh, you'll swing by and see us for sure. Um, and then also, you know, here at the winery, we are always doing a lot of things and uh, we try to cater to families as much as possible. There's a lot of uh, a large population of young families that live in the area and that uh, come and visit us. So we always try to offer something for the kids as well. And uh, every weekend in December, we're going to be doing a no rough days holiday experience with uh, the winter wonderland and Santa will be here. Uh, we'll have games and you know some seasonal wines. We'll do some mulled wine and um, yeah, uh, we'll have the, obviously you can get the potty pack here. We'll also have, uh, we do a, a dry red wine. That's our holiday circle city. And it's a, a beautiful image of the downtown uh, circle whenever it's all decorated uh, for the holidays. So that's a great piece of art that we got from Jenna that's on a bottle. So um, yeah, yeah. You can represent Daniel's uh, pretty much throughout all of your <laughs> gift giving. I, think. I love it. Yeah. Well, Blake, thank you so much. You guys, including yourself, you never cease to amaze me with your flavor profiles, your innovation, your marketing. The winery is gorgeous. Um, I've actually been to a wedding there and it was more than gorgeous. I mean, it's beautiful. So thank you so job. much for taking time out of your day. Um, I mean, I love Christmas. So always talking about the holidays, but um, talking through these three wines that I'm so excited to get some listeners um, intrigued in, in these wines and hopefully get them somewhere underneath the holiday tree. Awesome. So, well, thank you, Katie. Yes. And we will talk to you very soon. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. See ya.